So I'm going to ask uh, Billy to come up, Billy Lepsch, because uh, we're going to interview him and it takes a while to get to the front. The sermon series that we've been involved in is about my life verse. And we've asked different people to uh, let us know what verse in their life has become very meaningful. And uh, uh, we're going to look at a verse that uh, Billy selected. Come on up, Bill. And uh, I, I just, it just crossed my mind as Connie was praying that, come over here so you're, you're the preacher today. Um, that she prayed for Dale facing surgery, and people may not know that Dale is your stepfather. Correct. Right, and we go way back, Billy. Yeah. I think you were in your mom's arms. Yeah, I started coming to this church when I was about... Come closer. I, I started coming to this church when I was about 18 months old. You remember that? <laughs> not vividly, uh, no. Well, well, we really love you as part of this fellowship, and I'm so glad that you make the effort to come some distance every Sunday to be with us, and that's wonderful. So the verse, uh, we're going to put up the verse that you selected, and, uh, and it, it is from James 4.10, and it says, Humble yourselves under the Lord, before the Lord, and he... Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. James 4.10. That's exactly right. But we have a different translation up there. So you My have... apologies. <laughs> I was trying to read it because I don't even have it down here. But, but, but why, why is that important to you? Because... I don't have the words. I, I know it, but I... Do you, do you feel like you need to humble yourself? Do you have some pride? I think everyone has pride every once in a while. Yeah. And then when you have to fight to get on top because you feel on the bottom, this verse says you don't have to fight, right? Yeah. It says God does the fighting for you, right? Yeah. And uh, you... Uh, face the, the challenge of dealing with people who are in authority over you and give you orders in your work. Correct. Sometimes hard to take orders. Yeah, especially the way they deliver the orders. It's not oh. always the nicest way. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, I don't want you to complain uh, about your boss or tell them where you work. Thank you. That's a problem we all face. Well, we're going to look at this verse today, Bill, and afterwards you tell me if I helped or, or okay. didn't, okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being with us and part of us. And, and I kind of paraphrase this as this verse is saying, the way up is down. Bill, does that make sense? The way up is down? Thank you. Okay. We're going to see if that's true. That means that when you feel a battle for meaning in life, who am I, why do I matter, that the way to deal with that is not to fight back and try to climb over other people, but it is to bow before God. And this bowing before God, which is 
ought to be natural to us, but we're so busy trying to be who we think we should be or want to be that we forget that the beginning is this posture, is bowing before God. If you look in the context of this verse in James 4, just a few verses earlier, we read this in James uh, 4, 6. It says, but God gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, and the it is the scripture he's quoting, and the scripture he quotes is, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. The proud who are coming down on you, God's taking care of them, but he's now giving grace to the humble. And the quote, scholars have found that this quote comes from Proverbs 3.34. It may sound a little different, but if you look at the original languages, you'll realize it is a quote of Psalm 3.34. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he shows favor. So if you look at these two verses, you'll see God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, as in James chapter 4, verse 6. And then it's from an Old Testament passage in the Proverbs. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he shows favor. The scorners are the put-down people, the people who make you feel crappy. To the scorners, he is scornful. He treats them the way they treat you, but to the humble he shows favor wonderful thing about this word favor is it is the Old Testament word for grace, which is always translated in the New Testament as charis. The Old Testament is chain. You got that? Chain. You got to do the back of your throat. But it is God's grace, and he gives you, the guy on the bottom, the grace you need to take it and to overcome it. And that is the promise of God. It's interesting that this same verse from Proverbs is quoted in 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you go to 1 Peter, you'll see it translated virtually the same way in, uh, in the English language. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The first one is a quote from James. The second one is a quote from 1 Peter. And they're word for word the same. And they're both a citation of that Old Testament passage. So Peter and James were both part of the early church which was centered in Palestine mostly and moved later toward Antioch. And so they were part, this was a something they were both familiar with. It was quoted in their church fellowship and it's something we can use in our lives even though it was written by that man who wrote that proverb uh, probably about uh, how many years ago? 2,500, 2,300 years ago. That uh, verse is timeless. And it's interesting that this paragraph that begins with the quote from the Old Testament ends with, uh, uh, with the verse that Billy chose in, uh, in James 4.10. Uh, 
Humble yourselves. This is James 4.10 in the translation I'm using. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. In James, that's the end of that paragraph. In Peter, the end of that paragraph is humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. So both of them have virtually the same conclusion having applied the proverb in their lives. And so I gather that this was something that people in the early church commonly said to one another as an encouragement. If you humble yourselves before the Lord, he will exalt you. It's really an interesting parallel. And both James, this is very important, both James and Peter speak of this matter of being humble, submitting yourself, and being exalted by God as something that was happening in their church relationships. Now look around you. Those are your church relationships. Don't look at me. Oh, look at everybody else, right? Our church relationships are an important factor in our learning who we are and identifying ourselves in God's eyes. Now notice, we're going to read in James um, 4. We're going to begin with the first verse and read through to verse 10, which is the verse that Billy chose. Verse 1. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something, you do not have it. So you commit murder. Wait, we're not talking about murder. But that's where it begins. You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. You covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Adulterers, you do not know that. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Anyone who wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So all of this, these relationships that people had, and it's in the church fellowship. It's conflicts and disputes among you. And they came from the same impulse that causes people to commit murder and to covet and take somebody else's property. And that causes people to commit adultery. It all comes from that same root. And it's, it's lived out in our relationships with the people we worship with, with the people we work with, people in our families. Verse 5, do you not suppose, or do you suppose, that the scripture speaks to no purpose? Does the spirit of God, that God caused to dwell in us, desire envy? No. And then comes verse 6, but God gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, quoting the proverb, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, how do you deal with this? Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from hell. And resisting the devil is thrown in there. But that's the only negative in here. The rest of the phrases all have to do with closeness to God. Verse 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. 
skipping the devil. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy, joy to dejection. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Relating to one another in this world can be a humbling experience. It can be dog-eat-dog. Whether it's being chewed out at work or, or whether it's being chewed out on a little league ball field. There are many things in life that put us down, that make us feel small, that make us feel inadequate. And since this is the context of James talking, it's about conflicts among you, things in our church fellowship are part of that dynamic. And it's interesting, we're talking about the first century church. These are the people who actually knew Jesus, some of the leaders, and, and these are people, we, we would think the church would get this way after maybe generations and, and they lose their first love and all that. This is the church right at the beginning with conflicts and disputes that came out of the same kind of pettiness that people experience in their regular day-to-day -day relationship. Look, Peter, look at what Peter's context. This verse is in the context of relationships in the church, particularly intergenerational. 1 Peter 5, at verse 1. Now, as an elder, I feel good talking about that. Myself, and a witness, oh, I have to bow to Peter and Pauline, they're my elders. And Judy has to bow to me because I'm her elder. But in the church structure, elder was a title of an office, but it was also older people. We learned this from Paul's conversations with Timothy. Younger people should respect older people. And in that day, that was a much more of a given. The idea of talking back to your elders, which seems accepted in our society, uh, it just would never happen in that society. And yet, the tendency to do that was happening in the church. So, 1 Peter 5, 1-6. Now, as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, the humility that he experienced, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising oversight, not under the compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do. Okay, so those of us who are in a position of authority in the church fellowship, and who may be just in authority because of our age, we should express our wisdom and the experience we have as shepherds of sheep and as people who are uh, maybe looking to us for wisdom willingly not because we say you got to obey me because I'm smarter than you are or more experienced than you are the mood is different it's the shepherd tending the flock not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you do it not for sordid gain but eagerly Verse 3, 
do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, oh, wait a minute, there's something higher than the pastor? Okay, yeah, the deacon board chair, the moderator. Oh, yeah, no, you're talking about God. When the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never same way, you young people who hear me preaching at the old people, and the same way, you who are younger must be subject to the elders. And all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. Why all this humility stuff? Made in the image of God, and God wants me to shine and be who I am. Yeah, but you're never going to do it if you don't deal with this issue got to humble yourself in order to be exalted. The way down, the way up is down. So the quote again, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And verse 6, humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. Uh, most of us have unresolved feelings about childhood struggles about facing authority we, we didn't want to accept or we were forced to. Sometimes that's left us with serious scars and we have struggles with authority. With some of us it makes us into pawns that can be pushed around. With others it makes us into kind of perpetually angry rebellious people. Either way those childhood experiences that go with us, we, we can't resolve them directly. The way up is down. James and Peter both give the same uh, prescription for the diagnosis, and that prescription is to humble yourself before the Lord and let him take care of the exaltation. Really, it's how parallel these two uh, these two letters are in dealing with this problem that had similar ways of expressing itself in congregation and the way we handle authority and intergenerational issues. So out of this, I, I've come up with uh, some simple principles. First of all, if you have an issue in relationship to others, whether it be in your church or in your work or in your family, as I see you wives looking at your husbands, I can acknowledge that your problem is a problem to others as well as their problem being a problem to you. I know we all have phones. Part of me says this is overreaction, and then I think of Lahaina, how the people are suffering. Acknowledge that the problem, that you're a problem to others, just like they're a problem to you. Okay, you, you, you got gripes with your parents and the way they're treating you. Hey, your parents talk to me. 
two sides to this story. So acknowledging that our relationship problems are, are partly our responsibility. And uh, our tendency toward pride and arrogance creates problems in all of our relationships. We think we need to have the pride and arrogance to stand up in a dog-eat-dog world. But you know the dogs are going to eat you if you're by yourself. The only way to resolve this is God's way. So the second point is to take responsibility for your part in the relationship. So rather than pointing the finger at others, just begin by pointing at yourself, being honest about who you are and what you contribute to the relationship problem. James 4, in the first verse, he says this, those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from the within you, from the unresolved issues in your heart? Then, there's the rest of it. And then, take your complaints against others to God. Take them to God and leave them there. Deal with God. Submit yourself to God. Draw nigh to God. Be overly humble. Remind yourself of how small you are in relation to him. And then, this is powerful. He will level the playing field, not by bringing others down, but by bringing you up. He says, draw near to God. God opposes the proud, yes, but he'll give grace the humble. There's that word grace again. And so as you are humble before God, he empowers you by his grace and lifts you up. So when you confront the conflict problem, it's just not as big a problem as it was because you see the others in a light where they are going through a struggle as well. And you see yourself in the light of God's love and God's grace. We might become confused by the word exalt. But it doesn't mean that he puts a crown on your head and puts you on a throne. So now you're Lord over the others. It means that he lifts you up. That's all that word means. He lifts you up. When he is gracious to you, you find yourself rising. And that elevated sense of worth that comes from your relationship with God, you take into your other relationships. And you deal with others as other people who are going through their own struggles. But if you insist on having an attitude toward others, it seems to say in here that God will have an attitude toward you. Because he does resist the proud and show scorn to the scornful. And if you'd learn not to try so hard to be somebody, you would find out that God is really creating something worthwhile and wonderful of you. If you deal with him, you'll see that. You'll never see that by 
your interactions with me. Judy, don't say that. But you'll never get the, reaff re the affirmation you need from other people because you'll go back and they're going through their own struggles. But when God affirms you, when God lifts you up, and you find that you, you are lifted up, and you take that into your experience with others. The way up is down. And the beginning is bowing before the Lord. I think knowing the context of this verse, Bill, uh, helps see how applicable it is throughout our life experiences. And seeing that it had to do, when it was first given by James and Peter, it had to do with relationships and a loving church fellowship and making something out of the human mishmash that we are. And God, by his grace, will create a bunch of healthy people who reinforce each other's health. But it begins by recognizing that the way up is down. It is going back and reaffirming your own humility and submission to God. Letting him lift you up. Thank you, Lord, for grace, something beyond our power, beyond our control, beyond our understanding. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us, for not letting us drift away from this, but reminding us that we are totally indebted to you for a constant infusion of that grace in order to live as positive people in this world. Our life, every once in a while, seems to affirm us, makes us feel that we are something, and then the next day, something comes along that slaps us down or someone puts us down. But Lord, if we come to you in humility, we always come away feeling like we're on a cloud. That's something only you can do, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.